What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. I hope you are all well. I hope things are going fine for you. Uh, It's raining. It's pouring. The old man is snoring. Uh, I've got a few things I want to talk about today. Uh, First of all, I want to talk about how to count your calories and macros without my fitness pal. Because in this world of bodybuilding, it becomes very, very easy to forget that not everyone's a bodybuilder. Not everyone counts calories. And a lot of you guys who listen to this podcast might think, how can I get my parents to to, main, to lose some body fat? How can I get my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my friend who doesn't lift or doesn't count their macros and calories, how can I get them to get in control of their diet without being in control of their diet? Um, there's a few things that you can do, right? So my fitness pal is for those of you guys who have been living under a rock, um, it's a it's an app, and you can scan the barcode of any food, and it comes up with a calorie equivalent in macros in calories um, on on the screen, and it counts those over the day for you. So you can just literally go through your day, scan the food that you eat, put in the amount that you eat, and it gives you an overall calories and macros. Super super easy, right? But there are people that yes, there are people that don't want to do that. They, there are people that don't want to fixate on the food that they eat. They don't want to have to weigh every single thing that they eat. They don't want to have to focus on how many macros has this got? Is it going to fit my macros here? And they just want to lose weight and they want to gain muscle. So there are things that you can do to make that. Now, there's general rules of thumb thumb with food, right? Generally speaking, you want a serving of protein with every single meal. Generally speaking, you probably want some fats with every every meal. And generally speaking, you probably want some carbohydrates more towards when you work out. And when you don't work out, you probably don't. So that's a really, really good start for people. You can just explain to them, look, when you want to go train and you want to go exercise, you probably need some carbohydrates pre and post. You want to chill, you want to relax, you probably don't need as many carbohydrates because you're not using glycogen in the same way. Similarly, you can give that general advice as processed foods aren't that good. You don't need to teach people that, I assume. You don't need to tell people that McDonald's is bad. You just need to tell them that single ingredients are quite good and focusing on those single ingredient food, lots of vegetables, lots of fruits, then you're good. So let's just say that I would like to think that most people know what a healthy diet is, right? Most people seem to understand that a healthy diet is one that leaves you with all your micronutrition covered, generally your macronutrition covered, and your protein demands, your fiber demands, and all those different things. So let's just say that that is a a, a given, and you've outlined that to the person that you're trying to teach. Now, my rule of thumb is 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 pretty much take what you eat right now. That's this is what I give this is what I tell people that don't want to count their calories. What do you eat right now? And what happens to your body weight? Stand on the scale every morning after you take a dump. Yes, we all take dumps, even girls. I know you do. You girls listening out there, I know you've had one today. I can I already know. Um and then weigh yourself. Weigh yourself. Let's take an arbitrary number. I'm eighty kilos. I eat the exact same food every single day and I am eighty kilos at the end of the week. Where am I? I'm eating maintenance. That's what I'm doing. So we know then from that position, you either need to go up or you need to go down. So if normally you wake up, you have oats and eggs, you know that you want to add another egg or add, or add another scoop of oats or you want to add some honey on or a banana on and that's going to put you into a surplus. Or maybe you have oats, berries and a protein shake. You now know that you need to reduce the amount of oats that you have and you know you need to make that meal a little bit smaller. Really, really easily... Um, let's just start off with a fistful of protein and a fistful of carbohydrates and then like a two thumbs worth of fat or a thumb worth of fat 
this is a little bit technical, isn't it? Talking about thumbs and hands. Um, but just having a, a good spread of protein, carbs and fats on your plate and then just increasing it or decreasing it. It's super, super easy. Maybe you have three meals and a snack, you take the snack out. Maybe you have four meals and you go down to three meals. Maybe you have five meals, but you just make all the sm- all the meals smaller. You do not need to worry about the exact of everything. And what I say to my mum is, is just make sure you get a good good serving of protein with every meal. Make sure you kind of have a bigger meal when you feel a little bit hungry. How's your weight been this week? Oh, I've actually lost a little bit of weight. Good, because you're feeding your body properly. You're listening to the way the body is. So very, very briefly to summarize it, how can I count macros and calories without my fitness pal? You don't. You just eat very, very similar amounts of food, of carbohydrate sources, of protein sources, and have fat sources. And you have very, very similar amounts every single day, every single week. You see what happens with your body weight. You see what happens with your physique, and you adjust accordingly. Smaller meals, more frequent meals, bigger meals, less food in the meals, whatever you need to do to be able to bring that overall macro and, and all that is doing is reducing your calories and macros without you having to plug it into it and being exact however i would urge you to use my fitness power a little bit a lot of people will, will make the argument that you become too fixated on food and i can completely appreciate that but you almost need to be fixated on food to become unfixated on food because once you learn what a what a portion is once you learn like i could pick up any fucking chicken breast and tell you within about 10 to 20 grams how big it is and i know how much protein is in that so i know that if i'm out and i'm at a restaurant or i'm at someone else's house and i haven't got my scales with me and i'm tr- i'm not i'm not too worried about, i'm not obviously not on prep at this point i'm and i'm trying to be quote unquote more flexible and have this as more of a lifestyle, have this more of a, just I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fit and healthy rather than like I'm a bodybuilder. I'm just going to grab that chicken breast and I'm going to guesstimate. I'm going to guesstimate 30, 40 grams of protein depending how big it is. And that's literally going to be it. And it's super, super easy. But so the tools that MyFitnessPal arms you with ends up being super beneficial because you learn what 50 grams of carbs looks like and you learn what your body needs and then you can then you can take it away and then you can literally do what I said. The What I said at the start in terms of making meals smaller, taking food out, taking a snack out becomes way easier when you know exactly what those things are. So let's say you have a snack of 100 grams of nuts, which is ridiculous by the way, and then you take out those nuts and then you swap it with a snack of oranges. Like there's a big calorie difference there, right? So just learning basic calorie values and basic macro values through my fitness pal in my opinion should be the first stop and then you should work towards not counting your calories and macros i think that is a very very sustainable way to do it um i know a lot of people just say that you don't need to do that you just need to focus on the calories or you just need to focus on x y and z for me you need to understand exactly what these things are doing to your body first exactly how much what is if someone hands you a plate of food for you to just go, yeah, 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 it's probably about that much. Cool. If I'm wrong by 100 calories, it's no big deal. But at least you're guesstimating rather than just saying, here's a plate of food. This looks like 200 calories because you don't know what 200 calories looks like. And it's actually 1,000 calories. You need to know what two, three, four, 1,000, 1,500 calories looks like in terms of food. Then you know you're not going to overeat and undereat because it's super easy just to get a big fucking scoop of peanut butter, right? And that's 50, 60 grams of peanut butter. And that's 300 calories. Or 
you do a slightly smaller scoop and you've got 25 grams and you've just got 150 calories but it's very very difficult to tell the difference between those scoops of peanut butter it's just a, a, a random example there but something that you can you can attribute it to you've got to think about how much is what and and if it makes sense in terms of putting it in your body um I think you can just kind of slowly link this into the next topic that I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about how to start training when you're very overweight. We're talking obese, right? Someone who is super, super fat. They've they've been eating, binge eating, eating in a surplus for a very long time, having exercise. Generally, someone who you would consider obese and someone who needs your help or someone that you are listening and you are that person who is overweight and you need help. I'm here to help. How would you start training if you are very overweight? First of all, I'm very out of breath on this podcast for some reason. I've just been for a walk. In fact, before we get into it, a sip of peace. Very nice. So how to start with training when you're very, very overweight. First of all, you want to take the first part of advice that I gave in this podcast about counting your macros and calories. First of all, get hold of those. Understand how much protein you're eating, understand how many carbs, fats you're eating, keep it pretty consistent, get yourself uh, eating about 2 to 2.5 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. Let's say you're 100 kilos, therefore you're eating 220 grams of protein, 200 grams of protein, somewhere around there. Then you're going to look towards 0.4 grams of fat per kilogram, so 100 kilograms, you're going to be looking at 40, 50 grams of of fat per day the rest of it you can put down to calories uh rest of your calories you can put down to carbs but josh i don't know how many calories i should be eating well first of all we want to get you eating regularly and considering you're a bigger human i'm assuming being very very overweight i'm going to talk to you as though you are the overweight person um you can probably get away with eating a decent amount of grub and actually a lot of girls uh, and boys that I've had who have been quote-unquote overweight, I've given them food and they've been like, wow, this seems like a lot of food because what they're used to is even not eating a lot of the time and then they go eat a lot of unhealthy food. And then, it, well, I say unhealthy, quote-unquote unhealthy processed food, which contains a lot more calories. So then your perceived food intake is a lot lower because you're technically eating less weight of food like a big Domino's pizza that's 3,000 calories. If I gave you 3,000 calories of chicken and rice, chicken and rice, you ain't gonna be able to finish that 3,000 calories. But that pizza, you get down and you want cookies after because because it's so palatable, it's hyper palatable. So first of all, you'd be looking at those food choices and those food swaps um, and making sure that you're making those right choices in food that keep you satiated. And, and more often than not, like nine times out of 10, people aren't eating the right food. So as soon as you start giving them some advice, like, you know what, have a few vegetables with your meal. Let's have some potatoes today. Let's get some chicken, let's get some beef, let's get some lean cuts of food, let's get some single ingredient foods. They start, or you will start getting a lot fuller quicker. And that 3000 calories that you're eating is a lot less than the 4,000 calories of pizza, of processed food. I mean, even things like oven chips, right? People think oven chips is just potato. Oven chips are not just potato. They're like 90% potato, 10% like vegetable oil, canola oil and shit, you know? So like for every 100 grams of chips, you've got 10 grams of fat, which is an extra 100 calories on top of what a potato would be. So a normal serving of chips for like a normal human would be like three, 400 grams of normal potato which could lead to about three or 400 calories. 
But as soon as you get that equivalent of potato from oven chips, you're getting an extra 20 to 30 grams of fat, which is an extra three, 400 calories on top of the three or four that it should be. So you're eating seven or 800 calories in hyper palatable food, which has got a lot more fat in, which doesn't fill you up with the same food if it was on its own potato. Uh, it doesn't fill you up as much. So you can see that these little these little things that may perceive you in your head that you're not eating unhealthy because you have potato and chicken when really that chicken is wrapped in bacon and filled with cheese. <laughs> and then also you have an oven chips and things like that. I appreciate this. This just one, this just one example and not everyone is doing that. Um, so first of all, we've got to get you eating regularly. We've got to get you, eat, get you eating regular protein servings. And then when we come into training now, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you as though you've got no skill, you've got no ability to train, you've never trained before. Um, and then I'll try and give another example if you've been training a little bit, but you still have uh, you still got a lot of body fat. So if you've never trained before, you are in such an amazing position. Appreciate you come not in an amazing position being overweight, but you are in such an amazing and unique position where if you implement a very, very good training protocol with pretty low volume-ish, um, and just focusing on ac ac acquiring the skill of lifting. So I'm gonna teach you the bench press, I'm gonna teach you a squat, uh, I'm gonna teach you a deadlift, and I'm gonna teach you how to incline press and fly and do all of these individual skills at a very high level for the first like six months. I could not give a fuck what you lift for six months at all. I don't even care if you progress it. All I care about is you progressing the skill and getting better at the skill because as soon as you get good at a bench press, like proficiently good at a bench press, you now have the ability to press on anything because it's such a transferable skill, right? It's the same way you get a professional, I've said this before, the same way you get a professional rugby player to kick a football ball or a professional football ball, football player to kick a rugby ball, you are not. You're barely going to be able to tell the difference. Granted, there's going to be a difference because one's been doing just that ball. But like a professional football player could ping a rugby ball over the over a over the 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 try. Uh, oh my god, what is it called? The goalposts? Is it the goalposts? I'm going to say the goalposts. A professional football player could ping a rugby ball over the goalposts super super easy. In the same way. When you do pick up that bench press and you get very good at it, you can do an incline, you can do a reverse padded smith, and the same way you can do a squat, you can now hack squat because you just learn that basic movement pattern and you can just adjust it accordingly. So first of all, assess your biomechanics. I appreciate you're not going to be able to assess your biomechanics, but your goal should be get very good exercises over six months, probably do a full body, probably do an upper body. We're talking one top set, which would not be to failure. It would be like two or three reps from failure and then one back off set which would be entirely skill based and that would be it like we're talking for each muscle group right so top set and a back off set for bicep tricep chest back shoulders legs calves quads hams glutes and literally that would be it and then over that 6 months you know maybe you do one or two months at that at just that volume then you might add another exercise in and then you're going to do that for the next two or three months. And then once you get to that sixth month, then you might split to a, an upper lower and increase your volume again. Um, but what you're going to see happen is you're going to be in this position where your body is so new to this that it's going to have no choice but to grow very, very quickly. So 
in the first year. I'm also inclined to say of real training and maximizing variables. I also feel like you can have like a, a second wind later on. So if you have like, and everyone does have this, an quote unquote inefficient first couple of years of lifting because everyone's just trying to copy the big boys like Ronnie Coleman and shit. Um, and you're doing crazy volume. Or Everyone's been through that process, right? Um, so I feel like if you can go from that high volume, potentially less efficient environment to an efficient environment where you're maximizing everything intensity you can get this same this same like stimulus and growth that you can in those first years of lifting so regardless in those first years that the years of lifting you start lifting more than you were doing before which happened to be zero you are going to grow very very quickly because you need a lot of nervous um a lot of nervous system adaptation for strength for control for coordination and these translate into huge muscle gains very, very quickly. I'm not talking you're going to be massive in a year, but you're going to gain a shitload of muscle in a year, talking like 10, 15 pounds if you do it properly. So in gaining that 10 or 15 pounds, you're also going to lose body fat because your metabolism is going to upregulate. With more muscle mass comes more metabolism. This is why me at 106 kilos can lose 11 kilos on 3,000 calories. I'm averaging 3,000 calories, which is more than the average man because I have more than the average man's muscle. Similarly, if you've got zero muscle and you put on 10 pounds of muscle, the person at 10 pounds more muscle is going to have a significantly improved metabolism because you've got more muscle. You need more food to sustain that muscle. And then you're going to get into this beautiful cycle of just losing body fat and gaining body muscle. And it's going to happen really, really you know, progressively. And once you get to that three, four month mark, you can really start to progress things and actually focus on getting stronger and stronger and stronger because the skills should be very, very acquired. You should be pretty, pretty proficient at those skills so you can look to progress those in terms of strength. So you shouldn't be looking to get stronger until you've earned the right of a skill, until you're very, very good at a skill. The issue is, is people push really, really hard early and they've got wrong movement patterns. Their squat is slightly off. It gives them pain in their back. They're press hurts their shoulders they bounce it off their pecs but they can now lift 120 kilos so as soon as you have lifted like that for 6 12 18 months that's how your brain knows it it's like it's like you it's like you kicking a football with the outside of your foot for a year that's how your brain will change to kick a football and then you've got to relearn to do it properly so if you learn a squat like inefficiently and wrong you learn a squat that's going to just injure you later down the line or increase your injury risk or decrease your muscle recruition uh, recruitment you're going to lead to that position where you're going to have to either relearn that movement or you're going to get injured and there's not really two ways about it that's literally what's going to happen so the best thing that you can do as a bodybuilder is be very good at those exercises and i don't like to blow my own trumpet um because it's quite easy to do that in the social media game when people give you a lot of nice comments. It's quite easy to get taken away. But if you look at my squats, I put up a squat on uh, yesterday, in fact. I don't know. It might not be there anymore because I trained in the morning. And this is about 10.30 now, so this will be up about 11-ish. Um, but you can see those squats. And from rep 1 till rep 7, with 230 kilos on my back, which is not light. Okay, I appreciate I've got the bands on there, but regardless, there's no way those bands are taking off more than 
60 kilos at the bottom and that's still a 170 squat at the bottom right so i don't care who you are 170 squat is pretty good and don't get me wrong i take the bands off and i could do more but every rep is the same and it's perfect i like to say perfect it's not perfect perfect but it's perfect for me you can see my full range of motion comes all the way down my bum hits the heels i don't get any butt wink and i straight back up that's because i learned to squat really really young and i learned to squat very very well when i was 15 16 and I learned full range of motion, so I've always had the dorsiflexion, I've always had the ankle mobility, the knee mobility, the hip mobility to do it. Um, and you'll see those people who have just never squat before, and they've not squat for a very long time, and they can't get past parallel. They bend at the hips, their lower back is weak, so the squat doesn't look stable. Like You see how stable I look with 230 kilos on my back? You can see someone with 100 kilos and they're wobbling everywhere. It's because they haven't learned that movement pattern, right? And their stabilizers are literally like misfiring, like like a car, they're misfiring, they're going pop, 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 because they're trying to recruit and stay in a stable position, but they've not learned it before. So these little fires where you're shaking and you can't get that stability, and you see people who lower the weight down, not smooth, it kind of jerks down at like little intervals, it's because their stabilizers aren't, the stabilizers aren't there, it's because they've not learned that, that movement right. And for them, fuck the weight, don't worry about your 100 kilo squat, don't worry about your 140 kilo squat, worry about your 20 kilo squat your body weight squat focus on getting on that 100% right first and then that's going to transfer over into a lot of skills later on down the line that kind of just that kind of just went into what should you do if you haven't trained before everyone should do that if they've not trained before if you're massively overweight it's going to be more about the food and it's going to be more about the progression that you get in the gym of course but that same principle can be applied to everything and don't be afraid to relearn movements don't be afraid to go back and do it again you're allowed to have lifted for four years wrong. You're allowed to do that and you're allowed to be corrected. That was me. I, I, I did that for years. If you go back and look at my first videos on my YouTube, I was looking for it the other day. It's from uh, six, seven years ago. Those lifts were awful. Well, not awful, but they actually weren't that bad, to be fair. But they're nowhere near what they were now. There was no accuracy. There was no intent. There was no consciousness about my lift. It was, I'm going to fucking move this weight no matter what. And don't get me wrong, it works. It just doesn't necessarily translate into the right thing later on down the line. Um, so, yeah, you got to be very, very conscious of those things as you kind of look forward uh, in training. And you can kind of increase your exercise regime, your exercises as you kind of get more skilled. So I'm going to do um, two more brief to topics. I quite like the topic ones. I can just kind of rant and rave a little bit. And if my mind goes, goes elsewhere, I can follow it elsewhere because I definitely don't have a normal train of thought, that's for sure, especially with this monster in me. Oh, yeah, I'm buzzing under the table. I've been really sensitive to caffeine lately. I don't know what it is. Or maybe it was just MV pre, but like I was just I'm doing it now, but like I'm bouncing on my toes underneath my table. I just was like that for like three hours yesterday. And I was measuring my heart rate, and my heart rate was like 80 or 90. Normally, it's about 50 when I'm doing work. And it was like 80 or 90 for like three hours yesterday because I was just buzzing under the table from caffeine. I think it was I think it was the MV Pre. It really rocked me yesterday, but to be expected. Anyway, I like these uh, little topic sessions. I hope you do too. We definitely got some good feedback on the last one um, about motivation and stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I got some random thoughts about the world and life, and I, I try and... I try and be open as possible in terms of my mindset and how I think. So a lot of this stuff could be absolute bullshit, couldn't it, really? <laughs> uh, but I like to think there's some sense in there. So this question goes, 
he wanted to know business advice, how to start obtaining multiple streams of income, sponsors, etc. So for me right now, I did do a uh, like a business podcast or an income podcast or something about my income. I didn't say what my income was, of course, because oh, that'd be reckless and everyone would be shouting at me, regardless of what I earn, even if I earn 10 grand a year, um, which on paper I do, by the way. <laughs> um, so basically starting multiple streams of income, I appreciate, I'm probably going to refer this back to myself more than anything because you asked me the question versus like someone else getting multiple streams of income but the fact that he put sponsors in in brackets makes me think like an influencer so first of all my streams of revenue i've got online coaching i've got one mr the 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 uh the brand my brand one more rep um i've also got sponsors in the form of medichecks in the form of insight supplements in the form of ra optics uh, I've also got one-off posts, one-off sponsored posts, which people will, will pay me to talk about their product. Uh, that doesn't happen very often, really, because I, I only pick things that I'm like, mm, yeah, I'll fucking use that. Or, you know what, this will get people a big discount. For example, it's a little bit late now, but I've got a company who are sending me some some bands, some some workout bands that are even, which is perfect for me because I've got uneven bands at the moment. And they're going to pay me for a post. And I'm going to talk about it. And you know why I don't feel bad about it? Because you're all going to get a discount off it. You're all going to get a discount for bands. They work out cheaper than any bands that you're going to get. And they're very, very relevant right now. And to be fair, they're very, very relevant with what I do. Because I fucking use bands and everything. So the one-off posts happen a little bit more infrequently. Um, What else is there? There's like some passive things like I do have a little bit in stocks, but I just I just don't look at them, so I don't consider it an income. I just I just put money in some stocks that I fancy and and leave it. And I know people get will ask me where and when. Like I'm not a fucking trader. Like don't get me wrong, I trade and I've done some stuff for Bitcoin and 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 eToro and Binance and different cryptocurrencies and and then even just like even like Nasdaq and stuff, but and Netflix and all these different people, but really don't ask me advice because it's money right and you don't want to take my advice and lose a load of money and then blame me for sure let me lose my own money my own way um, but if you want information on like trading and stuff youtube google forums uh, even things like discord they have amazing chats for people that want to trade so a little bit of trading there um there's the online coaching the sponsors what else is there? what else do i get paid for that's pretty much it. Like it's, it, you can appreciate it. All kind of hangs on the whim of social media, right? But I, I, I feel like I'm at that point in my career potentially where it's not going to go anywhere. At least immediately, it's not going to like drop off the face of the earth like it could have done back in the day. Um, I'd like to think anyway. It's definitely a huge fear of mine. Like I wake up and I think, am I really? Am I really doing this? Am I really? Kind of the master of my own time. Am I really? Am I really earning? A living am i really able to actually i'm very very soon going to be moving out but am i actually able to afford a rent on my own because i've only ever done that once and i was paying 800 pound for my rent and i was earning about 1100 um a month so it was really really tough i'm in a i'm in a slightly better position now which is gonna which is gonna be nice when i do move to london but i asked myself like am i really doing this like am i gonna wake up and it's gonna just not be there like that's a real fear that i have and it's, it holds me back with 
when I come to like investing big into the business or trying to spend whatever, like I just bought this iMac, whatever, three three months ago, maybe just before lockdown. Thank God I did. Um, and it's very expensive, right? You guys know what an iMac is, but it literally gave me anxiety spending that. Like, and I was just very, oh my God, I can't spend that. Even though I have that money for that. I, as soon as, um, so in December, I did some, I did some, Oh, and freelancing. So I do some freelance work as well, which is which is where this uh, for my income as well. So I, I wrote some plans for a, a pretty pretty big 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 online influencer for for her app. She's got a new app, so I wrote all of her training programs, and I got paid. I got paid pretty well, which was cool. It definitely took me a fucking long time. In fact, I say I got paid pretty well. It was worth it because I literally had to finish it while I was in Thailand so me and my girlfriend because she's really really good on Excel and she has to proofread a lot and she has to make sure things that things are spot on so we literally spent like three or four days probably longer than that four or five days going over it um, but the money from that like I set aside because I knew that I, I could I could I could pay for this uh, iMac which I knew I needed to kind of step on my productivity but that just gave me super anxiety right I appreciate I'm going off the multiple streams of, of income but also freelancing is multiple stream of income. Um, but all this stuff didn't come from from nowhere, right? So in terms of social media, right, it sort of hangs on what do you have to offer? What can you give people? What's your value? Do you have your insights? Do you know how many people will use a swipe up? Do you know how many people will view your stories, right? So for me, anywhere from nine to 12,000, uh, usually ends about 10, 11,000 people will see my story every single day. Every single day, 10, to 12,000 individual accounts, individual people will see my stories. That's a lot of power. Uh, I say a lot, relatively. I, I think Guzman gets like 250,000 people view his stories. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Fuck. One day. Um, so you can appreciate that's a lot of like power. Like you put those people in a stadium, right? That's a big fucking stadium filled up. Well, not a big stadium, but like it's a big crowd. So that's a lot of uh, power, audience that you have at your disposal. And so that is value to a company. And it's up to you to know your value. And I appreciate it. to start off, it's very, very difficult. And to start off, your value is going to be low. It is. It's, there's no two ways about it. But when you get to a point where you you see a company that you want to work with, let's take Insight Supplements, for example. When I joined them, there were 10,000 uh, followers. I had 25,000 uh, they'd already had Tom on there and they'd already had uh, Jack on there. And when it came to working out the deal, it I was in that place where I didn't, I'd never really worked with a company. Um, I didn't really have loads of, view, like I was getting four to 5,000 people view my stories, which is still a lot of people, by the way. Um, and I was getting, you know, very, very few people use my CBD uh, my CBD code, which was the company that I worked with first. That was my first like real sponsor as such. And to be fair, it wasn't like a sponsor. I just got commission and I got a little bit of free CBD. So I sort of knew that I, well, in my head, I didn't have loads to offer other than kind of who I was and, and, the, and the following that I had. But I had no, no stats to give them. I had no stats to say, I want this amount of money because you're going to get this many clicks, which is what you need to know. This is business, right? Don't feel bad for telling a company how much that you want for something. It's just about knowing your knowing your value. So as you can imagine, 
um, the deal for for me and Insight started off fairly conservative, uh, fairly fairly fair in the fact that I hadn't got much to, to to show them other than the followers, which was obviously great, and I was good friends with Tom, and it was a good like it was a really good fit for us in terms of like like people to people we 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 got on really well and whatnot. And then as you can appreciate, three months later, when the contract break came and I had actual swipe ups and I had people buy through my code and I had the information that they had on their side of what people had given me, um, I'd been using. And I said, okay, cool. So now I've got a pretty good idea of what I'm worth. I've got a pretty good idea of what I can bring from a supplement company. Okay, so I think it'd be fair if I got this percentage or I got this much. And then they come back and they'll say, well, I think if we do this and this, we can make this. And then you go, you are, it sounds good. You know, so first of all, know your worth, understand your worth and appreciate you might not know it straight away, but looking at those insights, you can do a few Googles, how much does someone with X amount of followers earn? Appreciate that the Google numbers are normally a little bit over. They sometimes say, I think I think it's said that I earned like 10 grand a year from YouTube, which is very, very, very far from the truth. I think I get about 80 pound a month. Um, so yeah, oh, there's another income stream for you, YouTube. Um, so that, that, that kind of takes our sponsors, right? You need to know your worth. You need to have something to offer someone. Then you've got your own thing. You need to tell people what you're selling. If people don't know what you're selling, they're not going to buy it. If people aren't interested in what you're selling, they're not going to buy it. If people don't believe what you're selling, they're not going to buy it. So you need to tick those those pillars. And you need to be frank with yourself that you are selling stuff. That's the way it is. So the reason why I only post about specific supplements is because they're the ones that I want to sell because I know they're going to fucking work. You know, there's a reason why I tag MV Pre as the best pre-workout because I know that if anyone tries it and they've never tried it, it's going to be the best pre-workout that they've tried. And there's the reason why you, you can't associate yourself with a company just for the money because people see right through what you're going to sell. And if you don't believe in what you're selling, people people aren't going to buy it. And that's why I've only ever been with companies that fully, fully, you know, back back what I'm thinking, back my my morals, and we work together on on our morals, and it's a, like a growth mindset together. Um, in terms of other streams, that's down to you, right? Do you want to make a company? Do you want to sell some clothes like me? That's up to you. Do you want to do some trading? That's also up to you. But in terms of social media, the only way to get multiple streams of income is to get the followers. And that's that's the be all and end all. Work those followers up, work that interaction up, and keep focusing on progressing that until you're at a point where you don't need to worry so much about um, the followers coming in because the loyal ones are there and then the rest of them are going to come because the loyal ones have have gone ahead and given you that, um, that go-ahead that you're doing the right thing. Um... Finally, what I wanted to touch upon is me smoking weed. <laughs> because so many people ask me this question. Uh, yes, guys, I do partake in the odd uh, Jafrani, aka joint, aka I smoke a bit of weed, mate. Is that right? Fucking hell. So I get all these questions like, what are the benefits of, of smoking weed? What are this? What are that? Uh,. And stop reading into it so much. Because it's just not, it's no biggie. Weed is going to have zero, largely zero effect on bodybuilding. 
the only thing I can see it have an effect on is is the cortisol dump that you may get from from smoking before bed. Um, and there's a little bit of inhibition and REM sleep as well, rapid eye movement sleep, so you kind of dream a little bit less. But other than that, there's no like physiological implications of smoking a bit of weed. Um, gets you a little bit hungry sometimes, so you can eat more food. People say, how do you control your munchies? Because my goal is bigger than a fucking munch he. <laughs> Uh, and that is really it like I get asked this all the time and I really just don't address it for one because it's illegal in the UK right soon not to be I'm sure but mainly because it just doesn't matter I don't like what I do in terms of like smoking weed like it's irrelevant to you because loads of people just aren't meant to smoke it the same way loads of people are or not meant to but can and a functional like I know people that freak the fuck out when they smoke. I know people that that just mong out. I know people that are super hyper. I know people that can't function without it. And it's just about what works for you. For me, it's had a big, big impact on my life in terms of my thought process. It slows me down. I'm very, very. Uh, I like trip up on myself in my thoughts. I go very, very quickly, and I have like a hundred ideas at once, and I get anxious because I don't know which direction to go. For me, it slows me down. It makes me think a little bit better. It makes me think a little bit clearer. Um, it super relieves my anxiety. It makes me feel really good, of course. Uh, and I enjoy doing it. Um, I'm probably a little bit excessive. It, probably, if you spoke to someone, they'd probably say I'm addicted to it, if I'm quite frank. That's the, the honest truth of it. Um, but for me, when I take the pros and I, and I weigh it up against the cons... I, it tips in my favor it's changed my life for the better it's made me more conscious it's made me uh egoless or less ego filled i think it's allowed my mind to be open i think it's allowed me to question things that that, that i wouldn't have questioned necessarily before i think it's made me a better person in general do i think that if you start smoking weed if you've never smoked before it's going to do all that stuff absolutely not that no it doesn't work like that for everyone. It's very, very individual, you know, and you've got to have your own routine with it and not be influenced by someone else. So the last thing on this planet that I want is for someone to go, oh, Josh smokes weed, therefore I should. Like, that's ridiculous. That's like saying Josh takes gear, so should I. He's like, nah, you don't have my genetics. You don't have my makeup. You don't have the reaction that I have because my chemical balance is different than your chemical balance in your brain. So you've got to be very, very conscious of that. I appreciate it's 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 quite novelty to see someone like me smoke a lot um or to, to smoke in general and a lot of even the issue is is that even a lot of st quote-unquote stoners will see me and they'll say oh josh can do it therefore i can do it too and i can carry on and it can reinforce them wanting to carry on smoking even though that them smoking is not it is an issue it is an issue and it's causing them to be lazy it's causing them to be not proactive i've been there i've done that when i had super anxiety at uni i used to just smoke myself into oblivion so i couldn't think about it anymore and when i was lazy i'd smoke some more because i'd forgot about it and that's literally how i dealt with it and it was the worst thing that i could have done and i know a lot of stoners that are the same and they cannot smoke and then go be proactive. And if it's holding you back and if you're using it as a vice to get away from something else, it doesn't work. I've been there. I've been there and I've come back from it and I'm and I'm back to where I am right now. I have a quote-unquote healthy relationship. I say healthy. A lot of people would say it's not. Um, 
relationship with it. When I go on holiday, I don't need to worry. When I'm here, I'm always sorted. Uh, and it's a personal thing for me, and I don't want to say too much else about it. Like, I get asked about it a lot. I, and I understand why. Like, I put myself on the internet. It's 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 going to happen, right? But that's my opinion of it. There's a lot more that I could go in detail of. I'm just wary about what I say just because... It's illegal still, and don't get me wrong, the day when it's not, it will be the day that I talk about it really, really openly. I appreciate this podcast is more like people who know me are here, people who support me are here, so I'd like to think you guys are judging me a little bit less um, than than fucking internet out there. But yeah, like I'm just going to leave that there. Uh, we'll probably do a and a next time. I wanted to get a few topics out of the way just so, uh, not even so for anything, I'm just rambling now. So if you guys enjoyed it, give us a rating. Um, we've got like 300 people or something that have rated it, which is incredible. Um, we want to work our way up the the charts. Can we be number one? Probably not, but we can try. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. This is Bridging the Gap. This is Josh Bridgman. We will speak to you soon. Peace and love, everybody. Bye-bye.